Have you wondered about living elsewhere in your retirement? Well, we have almost daily. No, it's not a simple decision, especially when two people are involved. Hi, this is Gil and Jean of Retire There, a podcast about retirement destinations. We live in Brooklyn, New York, having grown up and worked in this area of the country. We're hoping to relocate when we're both retired. For us, it's the weather, the chaos, the noise, and the yearning to be near nature and not within three feet of human beings. <laughs> That's right. In February 2020, we embarked on our journey to find that special place. We spent a week in Winter Park, Florida, which is beautiful, but something said it wasn't for us. As we were planning for the next trip, the pandemic arrived. Jean then gave birth. I gave birth? To this podcast. With so many baby boomers retiring, many must be relocating. Why not connect with and learn from them? Here's a little background about us. I'm Asian, born in Brazil, and grew up in Flatbush, Brooklyn. I'm an engineer turned attorney turned podcaster. I recently retired from a university career practicing higher education law. I love the academic environment, but it was time to do something else. I no longer have to set an alarm, drive in BQE traffic, or work with people who don't always share the same principles. Oh, did I just say that? <laughs> you bet I did. I traded all that in to binge crime dramas into the wee hours just a little bit to develop the podcast, to volunteer, practice metal smithing, tackle our possessions. No regrets so far, Jane. I'm not Asian. And as Gil mentioned, I'm not retired. I'm just plain tired. Born and raised in Long Island, New York, a place I always wanted to leave. I'm a law librarian working in a court who loves his job, but we're retired by the time we select our ideal location. We will be speaking to folks from across the street to across the globe who have moved to the dream venues and more. So please stay tuned. And remember, if you know anyone who has moved anywhere for retirement, let us know. Thank you. Hello or Chech. No. Hello or Chesh. I hope that's right. Okay. Today we chat with Grace Nagetska and Greg Spring, who retired to Krakow, Poland, but are recording with us today from the great state of Maine. Now, this is going to be fascinating, folks. This conversation is going to be very interesting and powerful. Krakow is the second largest city in Poland with 760,000 plus residents. There is so much history and beauty in Krakow. But first, I'd like to discuss the history of World War II. As Jean would say, Gil, you're not much of a historian, but <laughs> I read a short but wonderfully written piece by Summer Collier, a food blogger for her blog, aspicyperspective.com, who posted the top 10 reasons to visit Krakow, Poland. The main reason that struck me was you have to experience World War II history. Krakow was an ominous place to be during World War II. Poland had the largest Jewish population in Europe at the time. So much of the devastating accounts we learn about in school happened there. Nazis took hold of the city and used it as a central location for many of their operations. Jewish ghettos were built to control the population. People were starved, then carted out of the city to local concentration camps. Most of them were told they were being relocated to better living quarters and had no idea they were being sentenced to death. One site is Oscar Schindler's factory. 
known from the movie Schindler's List, is located in Krakow and is now a World War II museum featuring artifacts, clippings, and photographs from the region during the notorious years of 1939 to 1945. The infamous Auschwitz-Birkenau death camps are right outside of Krakow. For a day trip to learn and pay your respects to the 1.1 million people who died in this camp alone, 90% of these were Jewish. The author highly recommends anyone visiting Krakow to take the time to go to Auschwitz. For her, it only became real after seeing the living quarters, standing in the gas chamber, and witnessing the mountains of belongings taken from innocent people. And she added, it's by remembering the past that we change the future. On to a lighter note, an interesting fact among many about Krakow is that street vendors sell bagels all over the city. And Jean, you would love that. Mm. But they are called Obvarjanek? Obvarjanek? Oh, okay. I'm not going to say that again. According to those in the know, these twisted bread rings were created in Krakow and are the original Jewish bagel. Mm. But the Wall Street Journal reported that Polish bakers argue these are not merely bagels. And of course, there's an interesting history behind it. And an application was filed with the European Union over a decade ago to designate the bread as a regional specialty. The journal explained that these bagels, might I call them, which comes from the (laughs) Polish word to boil, are bigger than bagels and are woven from two strands of dough instead of one. It has a diameter of 4.7 to 6.7 inches, weighing in at about four ounces, and has a sweetish taste, not Swedish, sweetish, according to Poland's application filed with the EU. But enough about dough. Jean, please introduce us to Grace. Sure. Grace was born in Horsham, England in 1948 to Polish parents, shortly after the end of World War II. In those days, home in England for refugees was a displaced persons camp. In her first four years of life, her family lived in the Quonset hut with a dirt floor and no running water. Incidentally, a Quonset hut is a lightweight, prefabricated structure of corrugated galvanized steel with a semi-cylindrical cross-section. Her father, who was in the Polish army, had been imprisoned in a Soviet Union prisoner of war camp in Siberia. Grace's mom was taken prisoner by the Soviets when they were clearing the Polish territories they had invaded in 1939. Her mother spent a year in a work camp in Siberia before starting a long, arduous journey through several countries that finally landed her in England, where she met her husband. They immigrated to the U.S. by ship in 1952 through Ellis Island and settled in New Jersey, where Grace attended elementary school in Perth Amboy and high school in Lodi. She subsequently attended college in New York City. Grace was a flight attendant for a charter airline called Transamerica. She explained that this was the start of her vagabond life as she traipsed all over the world. She's been to various African countries, Saudi Arabia, as well as Kuala Lumpur, Guam, Yokohama, Japan, Manila, Philippines, Rio de Janeiro, and as well as usual hotspots including Paris, London, Edinburgh, Limerick, Amsterdam, Madrid, Honolulu, Brussels, Frankfurt, Berlin, Munich, Zurich, and Rome. Woo. She then left the airlines to complete her education. Grace met Greg in New York City and married. She also worked in the menswear business in Manhattan and started a consulting business while being a part-time stay-at-home mom to their son. Right before retirement, she was a customer service manager at Crate and Barrow, one of Gil's favorite stores. Yes. 
That was where I purchased my first piece of furniture with my first paycheck from my first professional job in Massachusetts. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> Besides traveling and researching for traveling, Grace reads, writes, blogs, takes language courses, and stays busy with cultural events. Nice. Greg was born in New York City. After completing school, he worked at CBS TV as an usher in the broadcast studios, seating audiences for taping and live shows such as Ed Sullivan, Gary Moore, To Tell the Truth, and Password. Ed Sullivan, do you remember Topo Gigio? Oh, of course. <laughs> oh, well, this Eddie. one. Oh, Eddie. Yes. yes, yes, yes. This one happens to collect Topo Gigio. Love Topo wow. Gigio. Yeah, we have about probably 40 different pieces. And when my sister traveled wow. to, um, yeah, when my sister, she she was a buyer at um, Barney's, she would travel to Italy and different places. And each time she would bring home a Topo, you know, so it was just never ending. M Mickey has nothing over Topo. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Greg then became a production assistant and worked several years on the Captain Kangaroo show. After that, he moved on to become an associate director, stage manager, working for CBS, ABC and WNET. Man, I give you a lot of credit. I worked for NBC for a short time and <laughs> the industry, uh, I think it speaks for itself. You think that was worse, worse than working for Captain Kangaroo? Well, I didn't have that much fun. <laughs> 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 he was then hired by Madison Square Garden Network as a producer director, mostly doing creative for entertainment at both the Garden and Radio City Music Hall. After 22 years at MSG, he retired as vice president in charge of Arena Entertainment, where his crew created the fan experience. He left the business with a ton of memories, a local Emmy nomination, yay, for an entertainment magazine show and a network team Emmy for the 2004 Olympics in Athens, Greece. Man, that's amazing. Greg's primary interest has always been photography, and he turned that hobby into a business and has exhibited at art festivals and galleries. He now manages his photography website at gregoryspring.com and contributes to Grace's blog. Now I want to I want to just mention you have two blogs and they are wonderful wanderlustingdreams.com and whypoland.net I mean so informative and on the whypoland.net you can also click on gregoryspring.com to lead to his work. So these two items, anyone interested in Poland or just life itself, moving, downsizing, I mean, this this is the place to visit. The couple meets with an expat group in Krakow regularly. They say the group is mixed with expats and Poles, and the diversity is really fun and exciting. Greg and Grace take trips through Poland and the EU frequently by train and plane. They love trains and plan to organize more exciting train journeys when they return to Europe in 2022. Now, the couple have lived in Staten Island, Manhattan, South Orange, New Jersey, Lemoyne, and Bar Harbor, Maine. And now it's Krakow, although today they're back in Maine. <laughs> Originally, Grace and Greg believed Maine would be their retirement destination as they had vacationed there over the years. But they ultimately wound up in Krakow, Poland. Whoa. So without further ado, would you guys tell us how you changed your mind from Maine to Krakow? Maine was always the place we had assumed we would retire because we had visited many times. It was the right spot. It had, you know, by the ocean, we had mountains, we had uh, forests and woods and wildlife. 
And after years in New York, this was sort of a big change of pace. One of the things I, I was that one, one of the things I did when working for Madison Square Garden was I had this idea about the Rockettes and the origins of the Rockettes. And what I did was I traveled around the country and found Rockettes who danced for a troupe called the Missouri Rockets in the 1930s and 40s. And uh, I tracked down the ones that were still alive, went to them, we did interviews. And in for the 75th anniversary of Radio City Music Hall, I brought seven of these women to New York to see the Christmas Spectacular. And they had never been in the music hall in their life. Wow. And it was just a great uh, moment. It was a great thing for me. And uh, they loved it. And they have wow. an alumni that's oh, yeah. in touch with him. They, they still write to him and send him Christmas cards. And yeah. And really? so for that, I was yeah. made a uh, an honorary member of the Rockettes. <laughs> alum- oh, that's so funny. And yeah. was a documentary made about this or not? I did. Yes, I did several small ones. Oh, okay. we have to watch those. So let, let's go back a moment. Grace, you're of Polish descent. And did that play into the interest in moving to well what what happened was while we were living in Lemoyne, Maine, we decided for our 25th wedding anniversary we were going to take a three-week trip to Europe. Mm-hmm. And we we just wanted to spend a week in each place. And since I've never I had never been to Poland because it was under communism when I was growing up. Yeah. We decided to include Poland. And so we Krakow was one week and we went to Krakow and we both fell in love with it. Greg just ah. flipped. I mean, he really, really loved it. We came back from that trip thinking, well, then the next step was that you were online. You well, were- I was I was online just doodling around and I found this website and discovered that Grace was actually still a citizen oh. of Poland huh. because her parents were Polish and there was a um, uh, it transferred mm-hmm. Polish citizenship would transfer from your grandparents, parents and siblings. Mm-hmm. So I, I screamed out to her in the kitchen and said, do you realize you're a Polish citizen? <laughs> and and she didn't. And that sort of opened oh. the rest of the doors that started the ball in motion. Oh, I'm sorry. You were born in England. That's right. That's right. So you wouldn't have necessarily known. So do you have dual citizenship? I have dual citizenship now. Um, after the fall of the wall, of the uh, fall of communism, the Polish government reestablished this thing where all these people that were d- displaced all over the world could reaffirm their Polish citizenship. And they had a, a special applications and a special program to get us all back. And um, I went through that. It took two years because a lot of paperwork mm. was lost wow. and you had to go research yeah. all that. Mm-hmm. And after two years in applications in Polish with help with po- from my Polish friends, uh-huh. uh, we got the the uh, citizenship birth certificate that I was Polish and uh, my passport, and that allowed us to live in the EU. And because of that, I think that it reaffirmed our destination as Krakow. We both already loved it, okay, but that reaffirmed it. That made it easy for us to live in Europe and travel. And you know, for many of our guests, they moved because of financial gains, you know, so to speak, you know, things were uh, less uh, costly abroad and so forth. For you folks, it doesn't seem to be the case. It, it was, was more though. the love. Oh, okay. It, it, that was part of it. I mean, there were a lot of, st- we, we went through a long process and 
finding it so affordable that we could live on social security and mm-hmm. travel just on our savings really was a big plus as well. Oh, wow. Plus the cost of medicine and doctors and clothing and food mm-hmm. was so low that we knew that we could make our, you know, our social security dollars go a long way there. Yeah. And they did. We did not realize the financial impact at first mm-hmm. until we started realizing we could give four Polish dollars to one American dollar yeah. and things were uh, costs less there. Mm-hmm. So we're able to do actually do more with our money. Mm-hmm. Oh. A lot more. A lot more. Sure. Okay. Let's focus on one point at this moment. So banking, did you have to open new accounts? Do you keep anything back in the United States, you know, for ease or or what's that yes. story? Yeah, we, we, we had to open an account in Poland because we bought a property. We bought an apartment. Oh. Um, so we had a, and we still have that same bank account. We didn't close it. And uh, yes, we kept our um, our American bank account because the Social Security just goes straight into there. Sure. And then we just use a debit card and get the money out. And, you know, it's very easy. There's no problem keeping a bank account on both uh, both ends. OK, so we do. Okay. So you still have strong ties in the United States. I mean, I, you're living in a house in Maine. Is this your your condo? Because I know you had a, a huge home. Mm-hmm. A lovely home. I saw the picture on, on your <laughs> it site. Was really, it was my dream house. <laughs> yeah. It, are, are you keeping the main place? Now, this is very personal, I realize. Are you keeping the main place because it's kind of hard to give up? Or do you think you might be coming back? Or what do you guys feel? In the five years, we were kind of on the cusp. We didn't know where we really wanted to focus. And there's so many positive elements about living in both places. It's a very difficult decision. Uh, now being away from, from Europe for more than a year, um, I'm really like drawn to go back so quickly and stay. I'm not sure, you know, we're not sure yet still, but yes, that was part of it. It was hard to like make the total disconnect and leave, especially mm-hmm. since we have our son here. I have a yeah. sister here. and Yeah. Yeah. And, and the properties or not the properties so much, the cities. And countries are so different. Yeah. I get asked a lot, uh, which do you prefer? And I really can't answer that question because I can look out my window here and see a deer. I look out my window in Krakow, I see another building. Ah. Uh, oh, that's so, uh, you would think it's yeah. the other way around. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, think of, I like that idea of, of having one of each. Yeah, yeah. We might just have to do that, Gene, yes. if you if you retire anytime soon. <laughs> this, this, the, 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 advantage, the advantage of having this condo there is, is you know, the mortgage is paid off. It's okay. just here. And mm-hmm. so um, if we wanted to sell it, I guess we could, but it really doesn't cost us anything to keep it right now. Okay. So, okay. you know, it's always a place to go back. We do have Medicare and all that. So there are some advantages there. I had my um, surgeries with, because of, I came back because of Medicare. Okay. But uh, yeah, there's, there's no disadvantage. It's just that we haven't made a real firm, courageous decision to live in Europe for good. Gotcha. And, gotcha. and you said you were in Krakow for a week and you both fell in love with it. What, what was it about? What, what about it? It really it feel that way. It was just, first, it was so different and it was so old. Every buildings from the 12th century and, mm. and people were very nice to me. Ah. Um, mm. Interesting. You know, they tried to help you when possible. I butchered the language a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, they played along with me. I don't know. It was just uh, the, the, the food, every, everything about this in the museums, mm-hmm. museums, the restaurants, the shops, everything there was, was just wonderful. And it was such an easy place in Central Europe to go any place else 
yeah. wanted to well, go. That's true. That's true. And you know, in your intro, when you had the, all that history that, uh, from World War II, the thing about Krakow is that there's a beautiful mar- a medieval market square. It's gorgeous. It's the largest uh, market square in Europe. And when you go into that square, the architecture is beautiful, but it's such a happy place. You know, it's just got a really good vibe. There's musicians and great restaurants and people just having a good time and children running around and pigeons. And every time we come back and we go into that square, even if we've just been away for three weeks or something, it's like being home. It's it, There's really a real pull there for both of us. And then, of course, I'm Polish, so... Right. I was able to be Polish again, you know, oh. not American so much, but trying so real hard to be Polish. So that was good for me too. But yeah. po- Krakow was a special place. Oh, there was a real pole pole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pole, yeah. Pole. yeah. Okay. Okay. And, okay. And since Greg's your, your husband, does he have citizenship as well? Or oh, Well, he has a visa because he's okay. married to a Polish citizen. Uh, we were able to apply for a visa for him, which he could yeah. talk about because that was interesting. <laughs> well, the, the first time it was for one year. And you go have to go in for an interview and you have to bring an interpreter because everything is done in Polish. And no matter if you're not a citizen, you can't do any official government things without a uh, certified Polish interpreter. The second visa was for five years. And it, the next one is also five years after that. Then I've become permanent. OK. And, you know, the interview really consists of. Uh, Background: Do you have any money in the United States? Do you have a police record? The usual mm-hmm. type of uh, things, and then you get fingerprinted, and uh, mm-hmm. you know that, that's they're pretty all, much it. They're also checking real hard to make sure you really are married together. Oh, because right? they ask you things like, "Okay, in your apartment, where do you keep your iron?" Heat the last brick. <laughs> you're, inter- you're interviewed separately. separately. You're interviewed separately. Yeah. Right. It's so right. funny. Oh my god. We might just fail. What that. if you don't know where where your wife keeps? Yeah. The, yeah or, your, or your husband keeps the iron. I know. Yeah. Do you know what? That, that has basement. Okay. <laughs> Not that we, we ever went. use it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. That has been the answer some of my friends have given uh, when when asked that. Oh. Or said, "How would I know?" Right. 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 <laughs> Interesting. Well, I have to ask the question. So you're an interracial couple like us. Did that play into anything there when you said they were very welcoming? Did anyone look at you guys or ask questions? Give you the side eye. Yeah, like we get sometimes, even in yeah, Brooklyn. We get that too. Here, here, <laughs> okay. here. Um, yeah, I want to hear about it. It's, it's kind of a sensitive thing. And the reason I say that is I don't want to offend anybody, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah, at, the, at the same time, explaining exactly, they, they know what's going on. People do not. Polish people are not used to seeing a lot of people of color. Yeah, I was, you know, I have to tell and you, I, I'm like, he so, moved to Poland. So when you walk by, you you do get that. <laughs> oh, but, but if you if you catch them doing that, they immediately turn away. Uh, and oh, so children, yeah. children will, will, will look at you yeah. the same way and go. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if a parent sees a child doing that, they, they snatch him by the arm and tell him, you know, it's not polite. Oh, that's so great. That's not the way you act. Wow. So wow. In, in that way, there is a lot of respect for other people there. Oh, yeah. And I get a lot of kids looking at me. I mean, even around here. And it's just, it, it you know, it is what it is, but still it's bad. But and, and Polish people have a way of, I use the word distrustful or suspicious. I should maybe say okay. But as soon as they get to know you, that all goes right out the window. Okay. And and they're your best friends forever. Oh, but they're willing to get to know you. So they're yes. open. Yes. And you have to be willing 
to, I have friends who do not really speak English mm. and my Polish again is terrible, but we manage, okay. we communicate and we always wave to each other when walking okay. down the street and that, that sort of thing. Okay, good, good. There's something like people like in the uh, remember him, of course, when he goes to a store and comes out again. And then if he passes the store again, the, the security guard will come out and say, hi, hi. <laughs> you know? It's the hand. advantage of being black, I figure, in Poland. <laughs> yeah. And nobody forgets me. Nobody. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, okay. No, and, I'm, and, I'm, and Grace, Grace, how is your Polish? Oh, well, I, I grew up speaking Polish. I learned English ah. when I started American schools, but my Polish is still very limited. The language has changed. I haven't spoken it fluently in a long time. So it's really come back. And that's been another gift for me. So, but I, I can definitely get by in Poland with my Polish. Oh, OK. Yeah, OK. So, so your parents spoke Polish at home. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's yeah. wonderful. And the, yeah. the people in the city, do, they, do many of them speak English? Uh, the young people all speak English. Ah. The young people do. Sometimes you'll find like you'll get into a situation like you go to a small bank branch and nobody speaks English. It's oh. it's changing a lot, though. Restaurants, you don't have to worry. They they just automatically bring you the English menu. But um, <laughs> especially when they see the two of us. Yeah. But uh, the uh, you, the young people all speak English and it's, it's, it's getting better in a big city like Krakow. If you go to a smaller area, you might get to have different problems. You know, okay. okay. You may not find as many. And even when we go to the farmer's market, the big outdoor market, there's a lot of vendors here that don't speak English. But Greg does great in the market. Well, I've oh. memorized everything I need. Yeah. Oh, he wow. Knows in Polish. Like so. what? Like <laughs> what? What do you need? Uh, Ogorki. What's that? Pickles. Pickles. Oh, Capusta. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. 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 Oh, cool. Very The best pickles, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So, so let's go back a moment to talk about housing. How in the world did you find housing not being familiar with Krakow or Poland? I have to tell you that we both still talk about this. Like, how the heck did we end up buying a flat in Krakow before we ever <laughs> even lived there? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and it was, a, I have to tell you, it was scary. It was yeah. really, really scary. But for some reason, our friend here, our Polish friend here in Maine, his mother lives in Krakow, was working for a real estate agency. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> that was okay, meant okay. to be. Yeah, real. <laughs> and she took us around and helped us through the whole process. And she doesn't speak English either. Oh. But, you know, I was able to, we got on really well. And um, uh, she helped us to buy this flat in Krakow, which was 38 square meters, mm-hmm. very small. And we lived there for three years. Ah. And we didn't kill each other. Okay. So, so you didn't even rent first. You went out to buy. We bought and we rented that place while we were still here getting ready to go. We rented out the the flat to students, Ah. medical students. Yeah. Okay. All right. So there was no renting. Were you, are you familiar with the rent costs? Yeah. We we rented the last two years because once we sold the flat, we couldn't live in that little flat anymore. We sold it and we we rented a, a, a two bedroom, beautiful place. It was about a thousand. It was a thousand dollars a month. That's what it translates to an American. Right. Plus an extra twenty dollars for internet. Internet was twenty dollars a month. Ooh, that's, that's it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It, it was a great section. It was right by this old by the old town, and 
we had a great landlord. Concierge. He was, yeah, it was concierge. Wow. We had a French landlord who was French, who was a oh. doll. When we were trying to come back, our lease was up and we couldn't get back because of COVID because the airlines weren't flying. And he just let us stay on a month to month basis until we could oh, leave. And I want to tell you, nice. I'd go back there and rent that place in a heartbeat. Wow. Again, it was really, really nice. What, what was the size of the space you said? It was was 60, it a two bedroom? It was a two bedroom. Two it was bedroom. 60 square meters as opposed to, yeah, it was big. It was in an old building at high ceilings and tall windows. And oh, beautiful. Really pretty. Anyway, and, and from there, did you purchase another place or not? No, not. We haven't okay. purchased that no. this time, no. Okay. So if we go back, it'll be Airbnb until we find another rental. So. Okay. Oh, okay. And what's the cost of um, utilities and things like that in Krakow? Oh, utilities. You asked me when I didn't look up. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. Um, what would a monthly cost be for, you know, someone interested in, in renting? Okay. A thousand dollars is a really nice apartment in the old town. You can get a lot better deals if you're further away from the, the heart of the tourist. Sure, sure. So that's that. Cell phones monthly for both of us hmm. were, was $30. What? Wow. That's it? Yeah. That's and crazy. we got roaming when we, we traveled. Like a haircut for me with color highlights and all that fancy stuff that women like to get, right? $75 with the coloring and everything and the cutting oh. and all that stuff. Okay. And you know, that that's is very really yeah. good. Yeah. And they were wonderful. Nice. They're great. Okay. Uh, when I, internet, I told you it was 20. Nice. Groceries, we averaged about $75 a week. Okay. Oh, that's, about. Okay. Expensive, yeah. But m- m- most weeks, we, it was a little bit more. And then we went out to eat a lot. Because it was so affordable. So it was like 75 of groceries and then we would go out to eat. When you say affordable, how much for a lunch or dinner would you say? In a very fine restaurant, which was, this was a Sardinian restaurant that we loved. Uh, very high end. It was uh, for t- two of us. So we don't drink wine. So this is without wine and drinks. It's uh, three courses, $59 for both of us. Wow. Oh, that's nice. Good, yeah. And it's the best sushi. We love the sushi in Krakow. We have sushi often there. Really? And mm-hmm. sushi for two on an average was about $50. Oh, nice okay. for two. And, okay. and and we used to have to like, we would like uh, put ourselves on the budget for sushi because we would have it like every day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we could. So. Yeah, I love sushi. Yeah, it was good. The big question is, could you live in Krakow without cooking? I mean, could you live there <laughs> eating out every day? Yes. yes. Okay. But Me that sure. is my big thing. One um, of the problems with the city when we go out to eat was the decision-making process. Oh. There are just so many wow. good restaurants. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Some are close, some are further away, but they're just so, there, there aren't any bad ones. I'm mm-hmm. sure you can mm-hmm. find them. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But there are even uh, places called milk bars. Milk bars? Which, a milk uh, bar. Yeah, is that Which coffee? is a leftover from uh, communist times. But they're they're very modern now. They're not, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they have nice lighting and everything. Mm-hmm. But it's just uh, you get prepared meals. Oh, on a very on a tray. Cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you go to the counter, you order, and 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 you bring it out on a tray. And it was made for the working class in during communism times to be very affordable. And you share tables. And you, so, share, you just have to get oh, the wow. place. Yeah, it, it's still inexpensive. Yes. Yes. Oh, wow. Is. And they're I, called milk, as in white milk. Yes, yeah. milk bar. Okay, I thought that was going to be like a coffee house. Yeah, I always thought it was going to be like a dairy bar, like you know, yeah. a Jewish dairy bar. But it's yeah, not. yeah. It's, it's so- okay. and our, our favorite one is actually owned by an Irish guy. Oh, <laughs> oh my god, I love that. that He's great. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That's and it's a really famous one in Krakow too. The other thing I wanted to say about not cooking and eating out all the time is. 
if you go to the market, like they have two big outdoor markets, uh, but they also have little shops in there and you can buy all the prepared food you want there and bring it home. Oh, wow. And it's delicious. You know, like the pierogi and the different rolled meats and, and vegetables and little, they love their little salads. They have not green salads, like mayonnaise salads. Yeah. So you can buy and cakes, you know, pieces of cake and everything. You can bring that all home. Is that like street food? No, this is. There is street food as well, but no, this is more like you. This is more like going to the supermarket, but it's not a supermarket. Okay. It's like oh. a pulse. Uh, you know, the, the farmers are there with all the other uh, beautiful produce, uh, mm-hmm. and then all around there's these little shops that sell all these like in the bakeries and uh, meat vendors and the most delicious breads. The oh. breads are in a special bakery. Oh wow! Um, you know, you go in. There's like 20 different kinds of breads you know, to bring home. So yeah, you can, you can go to the market and, and just bring it home and you still don't have to cook. Oh, and, that's important to me. <laughs> and talking about food, I know what pierogies are. They're sort of potato filled dumplings, but what's, what's this donut thing? What's it? How do you pronounce that? The donut? Hunchki? donut? How is that? Hunchki is a big fat Polish donut. It's filled with either jam or, but now they fill it with everything. The modern day punchki is nothing like what my mother used to make. They oh fill it with caramel and they frost <laughs> it with strawberries. And it, there, there's a day right before Lent that's called Punch, punch Day. day. Punch oh. It's like, you know, the day where the Fat Tuesday, where everybody eats all the sweets before Lent starts. And you will see people lined up for miles around bakeries wow. on that oh day. Goodness. And people coming home with bags of punch you know, <laughs> so I guess you can freeze it all also. Right. And just, I don't know. I don't know if they, can never, they, they never, never lasted never that, last long. that long. Yeah. Ah, okay. So you okay. like them. They're good. They're very good. Yes, they are. And, but they're not like a Dunkin' Donuts. Okay. <laughs> okay. Got it. They're oh, big, no. fat, doughy, delicious. Right up your alley. Yeah. Fried oh. dough, baby. Okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause that's, they do fry, right? They, they pour it's a donut. They, they fry. fry. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> So in terms of, of cost, you have to pay um, taxes on your home. I know you had a home. So what's that? Yeah, like? I, I did all the money research. We paid about, we had to pay to the city and mm. the city was about, I want to say $20 a year, something like that. Oh, a wow. year? Yeah, <laughs> a year. And then to the government, you paid also. And that was a little bit more, but not much. I want to say 50 or $60. Oh, wow. It was like, it was really in constant. I don't know what it's like now. That's what it was like in 2015 when we started uh-huh. this thing. It was very, very inexpensive. The most, the, the hardest thing about that is keeping track of where you have to pay it and, and remembering to pay it because they don't send you reminders or anything like that. You just okay. have to go and pay it. Okay. You said tax to the city and tax to the government. One is to Krakow and the other is to what, General Poland? Uh, it, it's it's kind of a strange thing. Somebody explained it, the, my real estate agent friend explained it. To, it's like to the city, you pay for the ground that the building is on. Okay. okay so. And and then to the government, you pay for the fact that you have some kind of real estate in the country. Ah. I'm not really sure, but it's something like that. Okay. And yeah. is there? It- no, I was going to say there are plenty of laws which we had to research doing this. If you're not a Polish citizen, you can't actually buy land. Ah. Um, Okay. You can get a house, but you, you're not, you're not going to, they're not going to sell you land because you're not a citizen, oh. but you can buy any kind of uh, condos or, or, or that. So I guess there isn't much of people, well, unless you're citizens, like you said, buying land and then perhaps later building a home there, there probably isn't much of that. No. Can't buy the land. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just saying. You know. <laughs> and as far as money goes, there are things, I just thought I'd point this out, you still had to do in cash. And I always said it was funny when we purchased the property, we had to go to uh, a legal office, Natarush, to pay the taxes, and they only took cash. 
Wow. So I had about, I don't know, between 14 and 16,000 Polish Zordis in a pouch in cash. And their denominations, (laughs) they don't have 500s. They only, everything's in hundreds. Hundreds or two hundreds were as high as you could go. Oh, my Oh, oh, it's it's Polish money. It's not, they don't use the euro. No, No. it's Polish money. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. The cash cash counting machine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it just rattled it off and... uh, Oh, that's a bit of a rather shock. weird. Yeah, it's strange. It, it reminds me of when I was a bicycle messenger in San Francisco, and I had to deliver fourteen thousand dollars cash oh, in, in a little basket. Is, for anyway, yeah, it's a good thing you have a month. So, <laughs> wait, so did I say that right? It's Zolotny. Zolotny. <laughs> there's no n, yeah there's no n in it. No, I, no, I added that. All right, so Zolotny is twenty five cents. Yeah, or one dollar to four. Zorty. Right now it's four. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha, and and gotcha. speaking of money, is it a cash society there? Or do most people use credit cards? You have a lot of plastic, all your bills and everything. You just pay through your bank, plastic online. When you go to a little market, like to buy groceries, uh-huh. right, you pretty much have to have cash for them. Ah. Okay. Because okay. the farmers come in with their yeah, produce yeah. and their stuff yeah. and you got to yeah. have cash. Yeah. yeah. For small things, you might want to have cash, but you know, you can, you order the taxis or automatically paid. Everything is pretty much virtual or plastic. Yeah. Yeah. They're uh, uh, it's debit cards mostly used instead of credit cards. Ah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, by the way, Greg, when you carried all that currency, did you have to go to the bank a few times to collect mm-hmm. all that? I think we got it from the bank. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. They didn't go to the machine. They went in the bank. No, 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 I understand. But sometimes there's a limit to what you can take out. Oh, not if you're dealing inside inside the bank with the teller. Oh, you oh. pretty much do whatever you want. Sure. sure. Yeah. Okay. Or okay. sometimes they come tell you come back the next day and they'll give you the rest of it. Something like okay. that. Okay. I wouldn't know because I don't have that kind of cash. And what about, you, you talked about going to other parts of Europe. How far is the airport from you? Uh, Twenty five minutes. Oh, oh, nice. But do we take it? Usually, take a taxi. It's about um, twenty dollars, something like oh, that. That's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really wonderful. And, and they can you have get- uh, direct flights out of there, right to the U.S. Not direct. You have to go through through Germany. There used to be direct, but there's not anymore. So it's you know we usually go on Lufthansa, Krakow to Frankfurt or Munich, and then connect to Boston. Of course, we live up here, so we get to Boston. It's still five hours home. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. you know, it's never an easy day for us, but right. you right. If you live in Boston, you're set. If you live in New York, you're set. Okay. Uh, Germany is our gateway to the EU. We have to enter through either Munich or Frankfurt. And then once we're in the EU, we can go wherever we want without going through immigration or any sort of inspection again. And when you're in Krakow and you want to go to other parts of Europe, is it inexpensive? Do they have Ryanair and all that? Oh, yes, it's inexpensive. <laughs> we were we went on a three-week train journey in, to Spain and Portugal. So we're out on the road. I, got, I always get these emails from Ryanair, and I got an email and said, you know, $50 round-trip tickets on Ryanair. And wow. so I asked Greg, I said, where do you want to go for Christmas? Because this is November. <laughs> and he, you want to go to Stockholm? And we did. We went to Stockholm and Copenhagen, and it was $50. We always buy like a premium seat so that we don't yeah. have to wait in line and we can get our seat mm. in it. Ah. And we don't have to pay for luggage. But still, it's the base price is about $50 round trip. $50 and sometimes round trip? less round trip. Wow. Yeah. That's what if you, if you get, you know, if you hang on to the specials and you go on Ryanair. Okay. So. okay. Wow. That's amazing. Ryanair. You know, it's in Europe. Check it out. No, but even when we were there, well, yeah. we, we flew direct from here to there. 
What about healthcare? Yeah, there is national healthcare. It's a good system, but it's not the best system. It's better than what we have in the United States. But oh, it's not. okay. But we just we bought insurance when we were there, and we also paid, and we had the insurance for catastrophic care. Mm-hmm. But we paid most of our medical costs out of pocket. Okay. And to give you an idea, like I had an MRI of my knee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. paid one hundred and thirty-four dollars. Wow, five hundred fifty <laughs> for an MRI. For MRI cash, yeah, cash That's and carry. Amazing. That is incredible. When I had the X-ray of the knee before that, it was fourteen dollars. Oh my goodness! Oh my. It makes our healthcare look uh, you so know, terrible. You know, again, right? I keep saying oh, yeah. our healthcare in the U.S. is just horrible. Medicine is so inexpensive. I mean, it, not the quality, but the the yeah. whole system. Yeah. A doctor's a, a cardiopulmonary specialist, Greg went t- with tests, like with the blood tests and everything else they have to do was was ninety eight bucks. Oh, oh my goodness. Whoa. So, so you just pay out of pocket for everything. We pay out of pocket for all of that because it's, you know, you still have to go and yeah. submit claims and everything. But with the insurance cost us fifteen hundred a year for both of us. Oh, some, oh both somewhere around there. Catastrophic, you said, right? Yeah, yeah, we use that in case one of us had to go to the hospital. Yeah, sure, sure. We, we never had to use it, fortunately. Uh like basic medical uh, prescription meds, mm. warfarin, mm-hmm. 90 days. Yeah, $7. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I had the actual receipts. I went through them so that I would give you the right numbers. Right, right, right. And that's without insurance. That's just paying that's out without, of pocket. And that's just going to the drugstore and, and you know, they give you a piece of paper. It has a number on it. That number is already in the computer system nationwide. You can go to wow. any pharmacy you want and they pull up the number and give you your prescription. And if they don't have it in that pharmacy, you can go to any other pharmacy to fill it if they don't have it on that day. Oh, that's it's- great. Oh, they'll even give you half of your uh, order, mark up a new prescription for you so you can take the new prescription somewhere else. Wow. To take it It's very convenient. Uh, can I add one insurance story? And this is my first real experience with insurance, not medical, but when we bought the apartment, and we were buying insurance, and the insurance agent came to the house. And he looked around. This is house insurance. House yeah. homeowners oh, insurance, oh, oh, oh. and you, you're buying for any damages you do to somebody else's apartment, you know, floods or anything like that. And he gave me a figure, and he, I said, "Does that include the deductible?" And I swear, he looked at me as if I had two heads. He had never heard of that. <laughs> I tried to explain to him what are the deductibles. He says, we don't do that. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh that's so nice. Oh he says, if you buy $60,000 worth of insurance, you get $60,000 worth of insurance. Wow. Oh, that's, that's that's a great so story. Nice. I mean, that, yeah. that's I love amazing. that story. You know, when you think but about so it, what sad, is the though, point of the deductible, right? Well, obviously. So yeah, insurance- we know. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I have one more medical uh, medical cost story for you. Our yeah. son came, when last time he came to visit, he had gotten a, a, a dental estimate from his dentist here in the United States, and it was for $6,500. Um, the insurance was only going to pay $1,200. Mm-hmm. So we told him to bring the estimate here, see our dentist in, you know, in Poland. Here I'm at Krakow. So he ended up having the $6,500 worth of dental work done over a week and a half for uh, $2,000. Oh, my oh, goodness. Wow. And their dentists are excellent. They are oh. just excellent. Wow. The dental firm is also owned by somebody from Ireland. <laughs> they have they have dental dental medical tourism you know people come yeah. out of the country just to get their teeth in poland yeah i mean i plan to go to mexico because we had some really good recommendations and i need you know like an implant done and i'm just gonna wait <laughs> and, and do most of the doctors and dentists speak english yes they oh, do. That's okay. great. We've had a couple instances where maybe they didn't speak like the, the orthopedic I was using 
didn't speak English to the point where I could really understand him sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I ne- then after that, I got recommendations for English speaking orthopedists. And, the, you know, if you go into a hospital, I've heard the story that, okay, the doctor that's waiting on you, that's taking care of you speaks English, but maybe the staff doesn't all speak English. Uh-huh. So there is some sure. of that, which is one of the reasons I came here to have surgery because I didn't want to deal with it in Polish. I can't really express all the medical term uh, terminology sure. in Polish. As far as going to a doctor's visit, a cardiologist or a regular visit, they speak English. Okay. You ask for an English-speaking doctor and they'll give you one. Okay. okay. Yeah. So I guess the initial question is when you get to a foreign country and you're not familiar with thereabouts and what have you, how do you begin to find a primary care? That's a good question. I mean, we've heard from our other guests, you know, we go on Facebook groups and there are these expat groups or, you know, living abroad in Ireland or something, and they'll give advice. But I was just wondering what your experience was. We got the recommendations through the expat group for the dentist and the primary care. Uh, Okay. Okay. Uh, Most of the expats went to one kind of clinic called LuxMed. And then we found another clinic that we loved that was NL Med, and that's who we were using. The dentist, our Irish friend gave us that recommendation, and it was a real good one. Uh, so, and he was a real dental, um, he had dental phobia. So when he told us he loved this dentist, it was like, oh, okay, this is then, the guy. Then, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Right. So we, yeah, we got him through the expat group and I think that's, I'm pretty sure we did. Yeah. Okay. In terms of a hospital near where you, you know, where you lived, was it close or? Yeah. There's a huge university hospital on one oh. of the main drags. There's a medical, big medical school. The university in Krakow is the Jagiellonian University. It's the fourth oldest university in Europe. It has a big medical school and a dental school and the doctors practice there. And so there's a, there's two other hospitals, but they're more on the outskirts. The one right in Sen town is the university hospital. Okay. 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 And did you need a car where you lived? We never bought a car and we never used a car. One of the great things about the city is it's so easy to get around the tram system it's just wonderful. They have uh, like an app you use on your phone that'll uh, you'll know your location and it'll tell you where to walk to get the tram. It'll tell you what time the tram will arrive and it will tell you how long it will take to get where you're going. Nice. And the other great thing is once you reach the age of 70, all public transportation is free. Ah, I was ah. just going to get to that. <laughs> okay. Okay. And, but how do you, how do you prove it? Do you go on and show a card or something? Nobody asks you. There's a lot of old people sitting on the tram. So, but some, every once in a while, Greg will get carded. And, and yeah, you show your, I have That's my visa. That's a compliment. That's yeah. a compliment. Okay. I have my visa, uh-huh. which I can show to them. That's so okay. funny. Or even if you have a driver's license from outside of the country, as long as you have a birth date. Oh, well, that must be cumbersome, right? Like, all right, let me see your card, you know, holds up traffic. <laughs> well, uh, you you. They they come on the tram. You're already sitting on the tram, and they walk through. Ah, and they'll card oh, you oh. then. It's not getting on. It's okay. you're, they'll just you just never know when they're going to get on on the tram. And they do the same thing to check if you bought a ticket. Okay. So they'll just get on at some stop, and they'll go through the tram and check everybody. And some of it can be funny if you're really a people watcher. You can watch little old ladies refuse to show their age. <laughs> they'll just they'll just wave the ticket taker on. I and, love that. And they, they move. They, they, they won't ask. Oh, that is so oh, that's funny. funny. That's right. respect. So is there a lot of respect for older people? In, yes, in there is. And babushkas, the babushkas, the little old ladies, they have their way. They, the they rule. Yes. They rule. The babushkas. Yeah, they rule. And yes, there is respect. And, and the young people take care of their parents. And uh, yes, you see that in the day-to-day culture. Yeah. 
young people will get up and give an older person their seat. On the oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's no question. They will like wave you over, come and get you. Yeah. And oh, let wow. you sit down. And I always thought that was wonderful until they started doing it for me. And then. <laughs> Just take it, accept it. <laughs> but no, it's there. It's a very polite society in in that manner. Is it true then there aren't like a flood of nursing homes like we have in the United States? I don't know that there are. I, at right? least I I've never heard of that. I mean, I I'm normally sh- don't ask that question, but you just raised that in my head. That you know, if Elvis- yeah, I don't mm. know. I've I've never really researched that or thought about it. I, I'm. You know, it's Krakow yeah. is a big city, but yeah, I've never heard anyone talk of it. People will speak of having to go see their parents or having to go see their elderly aunt or yeah, yeah, bringing this to their house or something. Right. But no, not not nursing. I've never heard anyone really speak yeah. of a yeah. nursing home. Because I remember when my mom was ill, she was in Brooklyn, but big uh, Asian group population and neighborhood in you know various parts of Brooklyn, and it was never kind of an obvious thing to do or, or where to put your elderly, you know, parents or what have you. Uh, only until recently. I mean, in the last, I would say, five years have I noticed it. And I think that could be the younger generation, you know, that have been raised here and then the next generation. And, and they're like, you know, just put them away. I have an 88-year-old aunt that I connected with when I when we moved to Poland. She lives in another city in Wroclaw, and I visited her often while we were there. She's 88, and she lives still lives in the same apartment that they moved there to wow. after the war. Wow. And it's on the fourth floor. She doesn't go out anymore because she can't get down the stairs. She oh. has to have somebody oh, like, pretty much carry her. But the doctor comes to see her once a month to her apartment. The grandchildren, the three grandchildren all work. But they come and they bring her groceries and, and so forth and so on. So she doesn't have to go into a nursing home. Okay. Oh, that's um, great. She's getting the care. And the neighbors all look, I see that the neighbors all look out for her and they ask her if she needs something and they'll run down to the store and get it for her. Oh, nice. So um, that's just my experience that, that you know, as a family, the closest of the family wow. will take care of you. What do you guys do for entertainment in Krakow? Krakow? Yeah, we're a lot busier there than we are here. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah they have everything. It's a beautiful, I, I listened to one of your podcasts recently about the opera. They have a beautiful opera house in Krakow. The opera, they have festivals like, a, they'll have a month of opera that's outdoor festivals. They'll have uh, piano concerts for free in all different venues. We go out to eat a lot. Yeah. But um, <laughs> also there's um, a lot of museums, we hang out with the expats. We took a couple of road trips with the expats in the van. We went to visit different castles and so forth. Oh, cool. um, it's it's there's always something to do. Always some kind of festival, a Christmas festival, Easter festival, uh, flea markets. Oh, a Jew, there's a whole month of Jewish music in the Jewish quarter. It's just it's never ending. It, it, there's always something to do. Mm-hmm. And what is this place? Is it Zalapai, the Painted Village? What is that? Oh, Zalipe. Oh, Zalipe. Zalipe. Yeah. Zalipe. Greg went there. I've never been there. It's it's a, just a very old village where the the uh, tradition somehow got started of painting your house. But houses are painted with to put flowers on them. Wow. People have decorated. Oh, there was one home. I said it was decorated with uh, broken plates and glass that were oh, like a mosaic kind of like yeah. cement. Mm-hmm. Into, into, it's just a very old, uh, attractive place. Hmm. Oh, no, there was a, also, since you mentioned Zalipa, there's the mountains, the uh, Carpathian Mountains are an hour outside of Krakow, and it's the south, and it's that's on the border of Slovakia. It's, they're very high 
ragged, you know, alpine peaks, uh, beautiful little towns all around it and, and, and historical sites. And it's just a really pretty, pretty place to visit. Mm-hmm. Um, in May, there's still snow on all the peaks. It's like, you know, an outdoor day and you can um, hire a guide and they'll drive you all around. And Oh, wow. And what a lot of people probably don't realize is I really believe that three quarters of the population of Poland skis. Yeah. <laughs> really, everybody's going away for the weekend to go skiing and, you know, with the kids and everything. They uh-huh. just go to, go down to the mountains. They have an Olympic ski jump also. Oh, wow. In, in Zakopane. And do you guys ski? No, <laughs> not a, not a gave it oh, right, I just sorry. had hip replacement. Yeah, yeah. I've had <laughs> <laughs> nice, you know, nice. anymore. I've, I've never skied cross country or otherwise. So I have. it's like I oh, used I'd to have ski to it, but not anymore. No. Mm-hmm. I have to ask this question. Gil's going to get mad at me, but I have to ask this question. The gigantic head at the base of the town hall tower. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sideways. It looks like it was cut off. Yeah, that what, thing is what, huge. What, it's, it's fascinating. What is that? I try to remember Jeez, what the story is. The kids the, the, play in that. It's a great play play thing for the kids. Oh, you can go, you can go inside it. it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The kids go inside it. Look through the eyes. Stick their head through the eyes. Wow. I'm trying to remember if it was a part of a monument that was taken. No, it wasn't. It was a piece of artwork that was created, and they. I think they didn't have a place to put it, and that's where it ended up. Okay. All right. Just for our listeners, you have to. You'll have to Google this. It is amazing. Gene showed me the photo earlier. It is. I mean, the, the head, it must be like the size of the Statue of Liberty head. It's on its side, just a head cut off at the neck, black with the uh, eyes kind of like gold rimmed looking, at least, I'm, you know, not being there in, in person, I wouldn't know. But it is just one of these things that you would probably everyone comes back with photos of it, I'm sure. Right. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. It's right in that old square, the big mark. It's part of the old medieval square. So, okay. uh, and speaking yeah. of photos, Greg, as a photographer, does Krakow give you a lot of inspiration? Oh, absolutely. That's the one thing they have there that I'm missing here is the architecture, mm-hmm. the old buildings, yeah. the artwork that's just around the city. Uh, that's what I don't have here. And uh, I just love I got into photographing old buildings in close-ups of the architecture. Oh, wow. I do want to go back to a moment, weather. Oh, yes. Um, what is the weather year-round in Krakow? Is it freezing? or It's colder here in Maine than it is in Poland. I know that's not oh. saying a lot, but <laughs> we get more. They don't that get, doesn't they, tell us much. <laughs> yeah, really. They get, some, <laughs> they get some snow, and they would tell you that it's cold, but for us, it's really not. I mean, it turns, if it's 50 degrees, the girls all have their wool hats on and their ski jackets, you know? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> But it, okay. it's not the winters. It's, it's the, the worst thing about the winter in Krakow is that um, the pavement is cobblestone and they get icy. Oh, That's ah, about sure, it. And sure. summers can be very hot. They've had some really, really hot, 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 hot days. OK, so, um, so you need an air conditioner. You kind of do nowadays. Yeah, you okay. kind of do. OK, yeah. I just checked online that it's 27 degrees fahrenheit there uh, right now so that that's a little chilly yeah they had some snow the last couple of days i think okay yeah yeah all right greg i have to ask you this you work with two of my heroes what were, what were captain kangaroo and ed sullivan like <laughs> did you actually work with them uh well with the captain uh, i always refer to him uh, as the captain uh, please, his name is please, bob keishan right yeah please don't tell me he was mean uh no he was actually a very funny guy he was uh, very particular. Mm-hmm. Just not me. Like if he met, he would never meet children out of costume. Oh wow! Wow. 
He also would not allow children in the studio with the uh, the treasure house, so to speak, because Mr. Moose might be lying there <laughs> on, on the council looking like he's dead. And he wanted he he made sure to keep the illusion for 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 the children. Oh, so and then great. that's just a very nice guy, very talented man. Sullivan, I did not. I mean, I didn't work. Uh-huh. I worked for him, but not really with him. Gotcha. The only, like, I think the story, one story I can remember was I was sent to pick him up and he lived in the Hotel Delmonico, I believe, on Park oh, Avenue. Wow. wow. That's where his apartment was. Uh-huh. And uh, I went to pick him up and I had to get, bring his suits, uh, carry his suits back. <laughs> I'm at his door and he's trying to get his wife to come out to meet me. And she's like in her robe or something. And he's going, Sylvia, come on out here. I want you to meet Gregory. Gregory, I want you to meet Gregory. <laughs> and that's a pretty, that's the only story I can oh, that's remember. Funny. About. That's a great story. And, and did you ever meet my hero, Topo Gijo? <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, okay. just, that's too bad. He didn't work. He didn't use cue cards. <laughs> yeah, gee, maybe, maybe Topo just kind of sat there. You know? Okay. Okay. I don't think so. Eddie. Okay. Oh my God. Oh, you said All right. I do want to ask, was very moved by this in Grace's blog when you said you guys were trying to downsize to move to Europe and that you have a quote compulsive need for order. And and I want to say I am the same way. I'm not successful because you can't live with people who are just like you. All right. So it, it's kind of hard. Was it hard to give up all those things? Because you, you had also said possessions were demons, which I which I agree. They control you. I had um, 19 years in the house in New Jersey uh, with a son growing up and all the things that you acquire living 19 years in the house. Uh, I lost my mother and my father. So their possessions and my aunt and their possessions came. And so when we when we were downsizing, there was a lot to go through. One of the things somebody told me was, remember that you have one son and this will all be on him if you pass all this stuff. So if you look at it and it means something only to you and not to anybody else, not to him, uh, then it's why are you keeping it? That kind of thing. But we still have a storage unit. I'm still going through the process because for me, it was in waves. It was New Jersey to Maine, downsize. Big house, Maine, little condo, Maine, downsize again, moving to Poland. We're always editing out our stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was it was very hard. It's very, very hard. You have to, like, I think you have to stay focused on your goal. You got to, what's the goal? The goal is to do something exciting in retirement, mm-hmm. uh, to live in Europe unencumbered, worrying about what's, what your possessions are doing back home, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Okay. So, I, I was told that if you, when going around through your things, if, if you haven't used it for six months or you have to move things to get to what you want, there, there's certainly things you don't need. Wow. Six months. You're, yeah, you're I've tough. Heard yeah. Months too. <laughs> I'm, I'm here a year. I never heard. Well, six months. Can, I mean, if we have, uh, one, I always say our son is really not going to want a dining room table for eight but it's still sitting in storage oh because I'm God. attached to it. I uh, hope when he does, but someday I'm, I mean, it's, you know, it's the table that he did his homework on and we had all oh Christmas meals and, you know, all that stuff that that table has a little pencil marks on it that he made. And God. I'm having a hard time with that table, but it's in storage. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Wow. All right. So we have one son. He, he doesn't seem to care about much, but I was very surprised. There are certain things. There are certain things. So we we went through 
the same thing recently, because as we've been recording now about a year's worth of stories, everyone has said similar one way or another things about what to keep, what to toss and so forth. I put all his little kind of toys or, or like you said, things he touched or things he just loved playing with into a bag. And Gene here has a tougher time with giving up Max's toys. So it's a little confusing. <laughs> yes, it's true. Um, and so when Max comes home, he's actually coming home this coming weekend, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to have him go through one box of all these kind of odd one-offs, you know, what have you. But I've learned, I've learned one important thing, and that is I am not going to take part in the emotional attachment to the item. If he wants it for whatever reason, I am not going to talk him out of it. I will just take it from that one space and put it into this other bin that will be labeled, you know, with his name, but there will be no stress. I will not say, because he moved to Rhode Island for a job right after college recently. So we're not going to say, you have to take this with you because he sees this as home. And so he will have that there. Well, he has more than one box. He has plenty of yeah, boxes there's, here. There's not much he wants. He doesn't there's want not any much he wants, but, <laughs> but I just need that floor space. I need to look at it. And because <laughs> Empty floors now bring me such calm and peace that that's worth more. That's worth more than money. Okay. You, you also, you know, in your decision to move to Europe, you need a lot less to bring a lot less with you there. They have everything in a country like Poland. They have everything there that you need here that you can get here. You can get there and sometimes better clothes are less expensive there than they are here. Mm -hmm. um, so when we first went over, I thought, what if I can't find my size? What if I can't find my shampoo? I like this certain kind of deodorant. It, put that away. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be fine. You'll find everything you need there. It may take a little time to, you know, to navigate all of the different uh, shelves in the store to find what you need, but you can find anything you want there that, that we have here. And that could also be part of the learning experience. With, uh, there two things was one, uh, Grace was trying to buy Vicks vapor rub. <laughs> and she asked the lady for Vicks. Mm -hmm. And it was, she gave it a look like fix, <laughs> fix. And she finally figured it's Vicks. Oh, oh my so it was there. She didn't understand the Vicks. And I didn't think to say it in Polish with the I like an E. And, oh, yeah, so. and, and I tried in a... Uh, <laughs> You're like rubbing your <laughs> I was. Yeah. I said, you know, and I have a cold, you know, yeah. And then in the drugstore, I try, I was buying Q-tips. Oh, no. Yeah. But there's no. no such thing as a Q-tip. Ah. Until I stood there and stuck my finger in my ear. <laughs> and she said, oh, patichki. Yeah. <laughs> little stick, little sticks, little, for, stick. little sticks for your ear. Oh, my goodness. And it's, does it look like a Q-tip? Yeah. Yes. They have regular ah. Q-tips there. <laughs> okay. Johnson & Johnson would be proud. But it is okay. a great education because a Band-Aid is, there's no Band-Aid that's a brand name. Right. It's you're buying a plastic or plaster. Oh, oh right. Um, By the plaster. Yeah. Yeah. But, but um, you can also order online, I suppose. We right? did no. that we too. Did. Yeah. yeah okay. Some things okay. we did. Amazon UK became a good friend. Which I don't know yeah. what that's going to be like when we come back, but uh, yeah, that's, we used to, yeah. used to do everything from Amazon UK. And was it, was it convenient? Like very, just ordering yeah. something you can get yeah. at night? And, okay. Okay. Yeah. And they send you a text, mm -hmm. you know, it's coming today. Okay. by text and then so, sometimes if you're not home they'll just deliver it to these little uh like a second there's 7-eleven is called shopka and they're the little neighborhood stores and they'll just deliver it there and you can go there and pick it up 
Okay. Oh, it's wow. very, all, everything's like very integrated and homey and neighborhoody. Okay. Okay. One question we didn't ask earlier was, was there culture shock when you moved there? I mean, I know you kept the place in the U.S., so that's got to be a comfort zone. But when you decided to purchase property as an investment there, that was pretty serious. And, and then when you went there and it was no longer a vacation, like you said, you had been there many times over. Was the culture shock, you know, like, did it settle in as, oh, this is very different? You know, that's a it's a great question because the culture shock for me was after spending two years in Europe and coming back to the United States just to take care of some business. Mm-hmm. The culture shock was coming in this direction. Ah, oh, I just it was harder to believe that we actually did things the way we did in the United States, and while other people actually had a better way of doing the same thing. But to touch on that, we got a story from a friend who came to visit um, somebody we met online who was Polish, and she came she came to Poland often. And so we we touched base with her, and she kept asking us this question: What was it like? You know, how did you adjust? And I have to say, the first I'd say six to eight months was not easy. Okay, you mm-hmm. you are living in a completely different environment. If you think it's going to be the same, don't even try because it's not going to be the same. It's going to be different, and there's going to be adjustment. These friends of hers were Polish uh, of Polish heritage. They moved to Poland and they always loved coming there and they lived and they lasted about a year. They could not take it. They could not adjust. What what was it though? Like give us a I sense. I kept asking her that and she said they just something about not being happy or not feeling like a part of it or something like that. And I think that's Maybe we, I think maybe it's because they were looking for things to be kind of the same and it's not going to be the same. It's different. Right. Right. Um, you're going for an adventure. What is an adventure? It's not the same old, same old. <laughs> yeah. It's something completely different. And it's going to be hard to do the transition and hard to do the work. But in the end, I mean, when we talk about things now, the last year being here and what we've done and where we've been, it's just, it makes me happy. <laughs> that we've done it. And it you know, yes. makes me proud that we've done it. Mm-hmm. So it's worth it's worth the investment. And even though it's hard to adjust at the very beginning, sit in it for a while, sit yeah. in it and wait and wait, because it'll come. It'll come. And I would say you do as much research as you can mm-hmm. before you get on the plane. And keeping in mind that a lot of what you find out is going to be wrong mm. <laughs> or it won't apply once you're, once you're there. I, mean, I have some wonderful books I bought that were about how to live in Europe and, you know, moving to Poland. We're missing a lot of uh, little things that you really should know. But you can't, the thing is not to fight it. Yes, yes. They're not going to do things your way. Yeah. You have to adjust to things their way. Yeah, you're a guest. Mm -hmm. I am a guest in someone else's country. And it's like up to me to learn the, uh, to try to learn the language. I've failed Polish twice. (laughs) Uh, it's a hard a too, language, though. Come on, too far in language. It's a very tough language. Very hard. Tough language. Yeah. I mean, so, I like one it. of your other guests, I, I heard say, "I speak Polish in the first person." <laughs> in the first person present, present. tense. Yes. That's, yeah. that's yeah. as far as I, I get. But people understand what I'm what I'm trying to say, and you'll you know they may have a little smile on their face, but mm-hmm. they, they understand appreciate. what I'm what I'm trying to come across with. Okay. And and I'm trying. They appreciate my trying. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. When Polish I mean, words come out of Greg's mouth, Polish people do a head snap. You're like, <laughs> 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 that's great. And, and I, the, I love the, that. <laughs> the other funny part to that is there are things I can get perfectly right in the Polish language. Oh. And when I do that to someone, 
they think I speak Polish. Oh. And then they just go off. And, the whole, and, and I'm thinking, oh, well, how do I tell them? Stop, 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 stop. Oh, okay. <laughs> how how do you say I don't speak Polish? I do not speak in the Polish. Oh, very impressive. Yes. It's, yeah. it's a problem because I'm forgetting a lot. So much. Me too. Not yeah. having people to talk right around you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You have to be immersed. That's yeah. when you say one of the things that you love about, I love about being in Poland. That was one of the things that was at the top of my list was listening to the language every day, being able to hear yeah. that language every day and remembering that. You know, the language that I grew up in was really a beautiful language. That was to me, it was important to me. And I eavesdropped on everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Just to. You know, I, I asked that question because, I mean, you guys were such New Yorkers. You lived in Manhattan. I mean, Jersey's the same to me. And, <laughs> and you know, we're, we're no, very not. much like that. I mean, we both worked in Manhattan most of our careers. And then even though we live in Brooklyn, I mean, you know, everyone did that. So I just wonder, because when we've traveled abroad, I always knew in my head, this was a limited time, right? It was a vacation period. And sometimes, depending on where we were, getting back on that flight was, oh, can't wait to get back to New York. JFK wasn't a nice airport until recently. Well, it's still still being worked on. But I enjoyed that trip home because like you said, it's the comfort. Even if you land at JFK or LaGuardia or whatever, and you run into people and they piss you off, you are, you're accustomed to that, right? And so you don't think anything of it. You don't think, oh, I can't wait to leave here. So I want to be prepared. <laughs> no, because when you go to a foreign country, you have to be very open-minded. Yeah. You are a guest. I mean, we married in Italy. All right. Oh, and nice. Yeah. It was really a, a, an amazing thing that we did that, that mm-hmm. we thought of doing that. And part of that was my mom would have wanted a traditional Chinese wedding that uh-huh. she couldn't afford and we couldn't afford. <laughs> and, and Jean's mother would have wanted a traditional American wedding and we couldn't afford that either. So we said, why don't we take what little money we have? Because we had so much student debt. We'll do something beautiful just for us. And we, you know, when we got home, we had some family get togethers, but it was not like paying for a wedding. So, but when we we went to Italy. It was definitely different. We didn't speak the language. We were in Florence and where we stayed, most of the people spoke Italian. It was it was tough trying to navigate you know, the two weeks we were there. And as soon as they well, they looked at us and and they knew we were we were not Italians. You know, even though Jean is part Italian, people mistake him for a Jew at work, they'll say happy Passover. And he's like, okay, thanks. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> never fight it, never fight it, never fight it, you know, because it's all beautiful. That's what I wanted to add. Have, so have we left anything out? We've covered almost everything that we kind of wanted to. And you guys have so many wonderful stories. I, you know, I've been looking at your blog and our exchanges over emails have really been in, been enriching. Do you have any words of advice for people who wish to retire or retire abroad? Anything in general? Well, I, I say that you should start looking when you're younger. I mean, it's too late. Thinking, it's too late start, for us. No, no. I mean, start thinking about. You're already thinking about it, but start thinking about it when you're younger because. Uh, like most people who go to Poland from the United States have some sort of ancestral connection. Poland, you don't uh, just, yeah, yeah, people don't wake up one day and say, I'm going to crack. Ameri- Americans don't. <laughs> Americans and, and do Europeans do, but Americans do. Oh, it's a ah. big European tourist destination. Yeah, sure. ah. It's not a big American tourist destination. True, true. Research, research, research. Read, stay away from internet influencer videos. Mm-hmm. They're totally meaningless. 
Yeah. Read. Start looking for things maybe that you like. Things I like I found in Europe that I did not really have access to as frequently as I could in the United States, museums. And if you had told me 10 years ago that I was going to be a lover of museums and art galleries mm -hmm. and 18th century paintings, mm. you know, I would have said, go away. <laughs> <laughs> Greg would never go into a church. Because he said, oh, lightning is going to strike me. But now, I mean, the, the first thing the first thing we do when we get to a town is, you know, hit the churches because it's, it's their beauty and the history yeah. and, the you know, the yeah. some of them have amazing art. And now he goes, now he's a church goer. Well, yeah, the art, that's what I mean about architecture. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, mm -hmm. when you're looking at something that was built in the 10th century. Yeah. And you, you just stand there and try to figure out how you could possibly Mm -hmm. Erect this, yeah, yeah, without yeah. modern tools. Yeah, uh, they have concerts in the churches too, which is another oh. thing that we and, oh, wow. yeah, yeah, and yeah. concerts in the castle, mm. Wavel mm. Castle on the hill. There are concerts there. Talked about Bianchi Day, where oh, this women uh, buy wreaths. Okay, it's the solstice. flowers in the hair. This is oh, the way solstice. Ah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they celebrate the solstice, the shortest day of the year, and it's a all day festival. And wow. uh, wearing the flowered wreaths is a part of that old tradition so they have actually have uh, competitions who can make the most beautiful flower wreaths okay okay and um at night there's amazing fireworks at the castle oh, and people oh, wow. come and like the, the castle's up on a hill and there's like a slope that goes down to the river and people come early with their kids and blankets and they just all line up on that slope oh. and then they have these beautiful fireworks over this tremendous looking castle mm -hmm. it's really really nice that's oh that's magical yeah it is magical yeah. and you have the dragon festival since the city of Krakow was founded by a dragon. Oh. <laughs> in the That's castle, a long story. in the castle, there's a cave underneath, way down in the rock cave, and that's where they say the dragon used to live. Ooh, and wow. um, before there was ever a city there, there was a dragon, and a king killed him by feeding him uh, poisoned sheep. And that's the story of. <laughs> and his name was Croc. The king's name was Croc. So now every year, beginning of June, I think it is, they have a Dragon Day festival, and they have a homemade dragons, and like a lot of them look it's like flavor. the Chinese dragons. Yeah. You know, they, I was just going to say. Yeah, yeah, they come yeah, down yeah. the street that way, and at night they have fireworks for that, too. Fireworks with, uh, like, Macy's Day-sized yeah, dragons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh That nice. are illuminated. And they do and battle on the they river. They do battle. Oh, yeah. Oh, There's wow. a dragon battle on the river. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Greg, I wanted to also ask you, how did your family feel about you moving to Poland? I really don't have a family. Oh, okay. I, I'm the last one. Oh, you know, my son, but every sure. brothers and sisters, parents are all gone. Oh, OK. Oh, okay. my goodness. So sorry. OK, well, I was going to say good for you, but I didn't mean that in any way, um, no. in, in any bad way. But OK, oh, OK. My goodness. No, Gene, I didn't. Hey. You know what I mean? I, I, mean, what I, mean was, I know what she means. Yeah, that there isn't <laughs> I know her, but it has nothing to do with you. <laughs> that there isn't anyone making you feel bad or, yes, or yes, guilty yes, or, you yes, know, only, you, I, I will say one you, you one thing about Krakow, there was a man from who I met, and he was from, I believe, Texas. I met him in the square. We were sitting, we were just struck up a conversation. We started, to, he's married to a Polish woman. And she came to visit her relatives every year. She comes, and he said, you know, I really like this place. I don't want Americans to find out about it. <laughs> I'd like to keep, can we just keep this our secret? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah, so it really yeah, is sort that. of a secret, huh? Because I never really thought about going to going to Krakow. Yeah, it is kind of a secret. I had a, 
we had like a flight attendant reunion, like some of my best friends from the airline. <laughs> wow. They, and we used to like trips all over the world. So they came, they've never, none of them have ever been to Poland. Oh. Uh, and one was German, one is French, one is American, a two are American. And we all met and we had such a great time. They loved wow. it. They just fell in love with the city. In fact, Gia, my French friend stayed to have dental street. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and she came back again to have oh, it finished. Um, wow. They just really, really loved it. And uh, yeah, it's like a little secret. And if yeah. you go, I think you'll 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 see what it, what we mean. Yeah. And the one thing I forgot, I'm sorry, I don't want to take no, no, it to was uh, you never think of Poland as a land of castles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you go into southern Poland, there are castles all over the place. Wow. And some are in disrepair, but most of them are not. Some of them are empty mm-hmm. because during the war, Germans took the good stuff and just left mm-hmm. the building. Mm-hmm. You, you, it's There's so many things there that you would never think of or connect with yeah, Poland. Yeah. And you, you wouldn't think of Poland as a sea power, but they had their battles with Sweden. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think of Sweden as a... Yeah, as a uh, big power in the in the Baltic, but yeah, yeah. Poland and Sweden used to fight in the Baltic. Uh, in, wow. with Ukraine and, and it, yeah, it's such a historic place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And no matter which direction you go, right. there's history. And in the, there's a museum in uh, Krakow. I'm not sure what it's called, mm-hmm. but there's a uh, the Battle of Grunwald. Which was fought between the the poles and the uh, was the, it the Lithuanian the, ten, the knights the um, Teutonic knights Teutonic knights yeah mm. and the whole battle is put together inside this museum with Lego characters oh, oh my goodness. it's an entire room it's two million <laughs> Legos oh, oh my goodness wow. every that little soldier is lined up in place that is so funny oh, I love like oh it's so it's wonderful they're, they're very proud people they're very proud of their heritage mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're very proud that I believe they're the only country that did not surrender to Germany during the war mm-hmm. yeah Wow. They're just, uh, you know, they're very family oriented, uh, orientated. And once they get to know you and you get to know them, you, you got friends for life. As a matter of fact, when I was leaving, the woman who owns a restaurant that we go to, her and her husband own this restaurant. And I told her I was going back to the United States. Where she said, oh, you're going on vacation? <laughs> <laughs> she assumed that this was my home. Poland was my uh, home. Yeah. Krakow oh, was my home. That's great. And yeah, she made me an honorary pole too. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That is so great. Well, I want to thank you guys. I think we we learned so much. Gene, oh, yeah. was there oh, this, anything this else is... you wanted to add? Or no, I'm ask? just amazed by the place. Now I want to see it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah please. please. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay, bye bye. Bye bye. Love you guys so much. Dobizenia. 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 We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you know someone who's relocated for retirement and wishes to share their story with us, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is gg at retirethere.com. Our website, is retirethere.com and you may follow us on Twitter at retirethere underscore. Now, if you've liked our show, please subscribe and rate it in Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, be well. Be well.